Welcome back, everyone. We are very happy to have you on the show today on this Monday morning. Uh, welcome, Steph. Uh, how's it going? Yeah, good, thank you. And uh, how are you? I'm fine. It's uh, early, early morning for you. Uh, it's uh, a bit later at the time of we that we're uh, recording this for me. But uh, but yeah, um, amazing, and uh, we're doing all great. And today we're going to cover Task Force Spectre. Spectre. I don't really know how to pronounce that in English. My English is so bad. Uh, Spectra um, will so basically we'll be covering their uh, the unit, their uh, a milsim unit that's all over the world. But you'll uh, discover more about that in a few minutes. First, uh, remember you can find us on Twitter at Radio Arma and on on our website uh, at uh, radioarma.com. Um, be sure to leave a bit of feedback. Uh, we're lacking a bit of uh, feedback. You can join our Discord if you need to. You can uh, send a message on Twitter. It's always a uh, uh, very um, enlightening, and uh, and uh, it's good to have some feedback. Uh, enables us to get better at what we do and bring you always better content. Let's start uh, now, uh, Steph, with uh, uh, with uh, Delos. Hello, Delos. How are you doing? I'm pretty good, thank you. How about yourself? I'm doing great. And um, Steph, we're going to introduce uh, Delos now. Uh, can you go ahead with a with a few questions on Delos? Yeah, sure. So we've we've got how old are you? So that that might just be a general question. I'm uh, 23 years old. Cool. And how long have you been in this particular community? Uh, I've been in the community since day one, uh, which would be November of last year, November 2018. Oh, so the the community is like it's young. We'll be talking about it yeah. in, yeah, we'll in particular. Yeah, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So pretty young. And yeah. and what's your role in the community? Uh, right now I'm the uh, commanding officer. Okay, so you're the big boss, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nice. And with us as well, Steph, is Rakion. Hello, Rakion. How's it going? Going fine. So, how old are you? I am 28 years old. And uh, so, how long have you been in the community? Uh, not quite as long as Delos, but I joined on the first day that the, uh, the community went live. Okay, right. So, just after, basically, just not, yeah, long, not long after. And uh, so, what's your role in the community? Oh gosh. Um, well, um, my primary role is I do the Zeusing um, for the community, um, create the operations orders. I'm kind of in charge of the uh, planning of operations to an extent. Okay. So you, you're you're the 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 thinking head behind uh, behind the the operations, basically. Uh yeah, I create the storyline. You know, create okay. a. Uh, you know, a general idea of what everyone's going to be doing, and then you know, let cool. everyone else figure out what they're doing from there. Cool. Well, you're you're going to be able to 
uh, talk about the uh, the operations uh, with us. Um, go ahead, Steph, about the community and Task Force Spectre. So how many players do you guys have in the community? Well, right now we have, uh, I think, just over 50 active members um, that are currently taking part in operations and trainings. Obviously, numbers go up and down. Um, people have real lives, but essentially, um, yeah, I would say just over 50. Awesome. Okay, cool. And uh, your your hierarchy, how how do you guys do that? What's what's um, how many roles are there? Are there many different roles, or is it just a few to make it easy? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll get to this, I think, later on. But essentially, the way our uh, community is structured, we have uh, two main detachments and. Uh, a third one, which is going to be our task force HQ, um, which is currently occupied only by me in the future, possibly an executive officer to be my second in charge. Um, and then each of the detachments have their own leaders, uh, the uh, first in charge, second in charge, at times third in charge as well. Um, but essentially, yeah, so we, we let the detachments have a certain degree of uh, freedom, um, both when it comes to creative uh, trainings, planning, and everything else. Um, and uh, yeah, Task Force Headquarters, or AKA me, obviously, um, we worry about the um, technical aspects. Um, at times, we have to involve ourselves, obviously, in the detachment business as well, if needed. That's, that's pretty cool. And with a group of 50, uh, and you guys only started in November last year, um, how, how did you go about building this community so quick did it grow really quickly or has it been a steady build up until now well technically we didn't start november of uh, 2018 um i mean I'll, I'll get to this in detail later on but essentially november 2018 up until uh, end of february uh the unit was not public at all we were just uh building uh, we were essentially working on our procedures uh, coming up with our documents uh the, the hierarchy itself uh, website TeamSpeak servers and all that so that that was a time between November till the end of uh, February of 2019. That was uh, what it was spent on. But uh, sometime I think middle of March um, we went live. So I think ever since then we've had two and a half campaigns, um, essentially two and a half months until now. Well, we have been getting a steady um, number of new members, um, especially lately. But I feel like the main point was that we started off extremely strong we had a good base of uh, players because we just knew each other for a very long time uh, about 80 percent of us so we just stayed together oh so you've got a core of, of players that uh, that were already together yes to form all... this new unit exactly. with the task yeah. force okay yeah it's great yeah, we're all in, in, in a community before this one and uh, in, in different positions obviously um and we had been playing together at, at times i think with some of them for over two years in that community and uh yeah we just we were just a group of friends still are and so and so how many people are currently in in a in an average mission i mean how in average how many people are in a mission um like once a week basically you've got a, ba a big operation and how many people just join Exactly. Yeah. So we have uh, events once a week. So we have uh, the operations on Sunday every weekend. Um, number wise, uh, I think it really depends on the time, but usually it's uh, anywhere around uh, 40 to 50, I would say, mostly around 50, depending on uh, 
time of year. Obviously, we have exams and everybody else does too. Just, uh, but yeah, that's roundabout number. And uh, in Rakion, then uh, how how did you choose those those days, and what days did you say it was the for the operation? So the the training is on Saturdays. The official unit training is every Saturday. Um, we do it at three p.m. EST, and then the operations are on Sundays at three p.m. EST. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I think that's probably about the best time we could schedule it. Um, it allows us to. Um, include people from the United States and from, you know, Europe and the other continents over there. So it allows us to be more of an international community um, because it works for everyone. I mean, it's kind of in the middle of the day. Mm. The nice thing for the U.S. time zone is, you know, you do your armistice stuff during the day and then you have the night to go out and, you know, party or whatever people like to do at night. I want to go into USA. <laughs> I want to <laughs> go party, man. <laughs> Okay, great. So the the weekend was basically a common ground for everyone, mm. international yeah. people. Okay, um, Delos. Um, how easy was it to transition from your previous group uh, into the new one? Um, well, to be fair, it wasn't that difficult, uh, honestly. I mean, we um, well, I I came up with the idea that later became the TFS back in November 2018 um, because of some issues me and essentially the the group we were having back then uh we kept it on the rafts for a few months uh we slowly started to bring on people i didn't really approach anybody in the beginning because i didn't want to have i didn't want to bring anybody else on board because i couldn't ask them to um trust me if i had nothing to show for it i i wouldn't want people to trust me if i have nothing you know concrete so i decided to work on this alone for a few months uh get some stuff running bring on a couple of friends later on um and essentially, we, we took lessons from our previous experiences. We said, all right, what works and what doesn't work. Um, improved on the stuff that we did right. Fixed the uh, the wrongs that we did. And um, the people that that stood by us, essentially, they, they adapted extremely fast. Um, we They are extremely professional. Honestly, all of our guys, they stayed with us. They are very loyal. They helped us out, adapted new improved systems very fast. And um, yeah, that's that's basically what we did. That's always tricky. I mean, having loyal players um, stay through, I mean, over time um, can be, um, I mean, we've got plenty of examples of, of communities that just died out because uh, people were just drafting over to other communities. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, yeah. I'm glad to say we have uh, some of the best people, honestly. That's cool. Cool to hear. And um, I guess it obviously has uh, a big impact on on the quality of uh, the gameplay it most certainly does yeah because um obviously once we go into the game um friendships and everything um they just shut off they they, they don't have a place in there we have extreme 100 percent professionalism in the game uh trainings and operations uh, so we might joke around and uh you know have some have some laughs outside of team speak and in the game obviously but um there are some stuff that you do with your friends outside the game that we don't necessarily do during our official events because it's obviously most of it needs to feel like one. So nice. Okay. And um, so speaking of of people, uh, do you vet people people before letting them inside a community? I mean, new people. Uh, yeah, we do. So we are. Application process is extremely easy, but it's uh, tuned in a way to give us the uh, the types of people that we want to have, which is essentially we don't want people who um, are too serious and just don't want to have fun. They just want to have the 100% military experience, which is not our goal at all. We're here to play a game. 
and so is everybody else. At the same time, we don't want the other end of that, which is people who just want to joke around and not be serious at, at any given point. Uh, so we kind of recruit the middle ground, and um, our application process is kind of tuned towards that goal. Okay, so yeah, you're more you it's it's always a bit um, tricky to understand in on what ground you stand uh, between strict milsim and really casual milsim. Um, for me, that's not into the milsim part of the community. It's always a bit um, complicated to understand. Uh, what is a semi-casual? You know, there's always a, a, a sort of definition of of the of the milsim before the word milsim. Um, so it's always a bit tricky to understand, but that's pretty clear. Basically, not wanting both extremes uh, of the milsim uh, way of thinking. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Steph, how? Why don't you go with the next question? So, uh, going, moving on to the Milsim part of uh, of your your activities. Yeah, awesome. Um, so, do you have uh, normal trainings like other units? Is this a weekly thing or a pre? Uh, how would you put it? Uh, shortly after you enter the the group. Well, um, we have, uh, basically, we have an entire group of people um, that are in charge of our trainings. Um, we have, uh, they, they go anywhere from instructors to being um, the, the person in charge of that office, which is essentially in charge of coming up with our trainings and a training regiment uh, in the end, which we use for multiple purposes. The first one and the most basic one is obviously uh, once we get a newer, new guy into the community, we need to teach him a couple of the basic aspects that we uh, need them to know to be able to go through an operation. So that's one part of it, which is our most basic training that we have. After that, we have uh, a regiment of uh, classes and schools we send people through to learn some more advanced skills. Obviously, we are based on the, uh, we're a, a fictional branch um, based on the concept of uh, United States Special Operations Command. Um, special Operations in the name. Uh, which means we need these people to be extremely well trained. They need to have tactics and to be able to think on their toes. And essentially, they need to be um, fast and decisive. So that takes a lot of training and a lot of experience. So we have a lot of classes, schools we put them through. And uh, there's obviously our uh, weekly trainings on uh, every that happen every Saturday. Attendance um, is just like an operation is mandatory for our members. They they show up and. Uh, we do a number of different types of trainings during those times. So depending on what we need at the time, we can do joint trainings with our aviation. We can do uh, squad trainings, let the squad do their own thing, or we can have uh, uh, platoon trainings where platoon um, functions as one towards the same objective. Really depends okay. on the needs of the day. Yeah. Um, oh, that's, that's awesome. I've got, I've got a question that just popped in my head right now. Um, it's related to, so, to, to trainings. Um, last week we were talking to tactical training team and we basically asked, asked the same question that you just answered. And, um, I was thinking, uh, how do you get, do you guys get uh, new people in the community, but that already know how to operate in, in Milsim? They, they've been in, a, in another community, uh, pretty much similar to yours before and they already know all that 
how do you like basically deal with those guys that already know all the basics and, and mechanics of the game and how to operate with you? Um, well, that's kind of, uh, at this point, it's extremely easy for us um, to find a good balance between a training that serves both the newer guys and the people who are more experienced. Uh, the way we balance that out is essentially we have all the basics that everybody needs to know. Uh, but at the same time, we balance that out with some more advanced stuff. Um, and we, we, we just wrap the whole thing um, in a form where it's actually interesting. So even if you know all of the stuff that is being taught, you still want to see where it goes. You still want to take part. You still want to do the exercises because it is fun, because you enjoy it, because you feel like these people that are teaching you um, are maybe hopefully teaching it better than back when you were taught by, by whomever before. So mm. that way we kind of you know, pique their interest to be like, okay, everybody knows how to use radio in game. Almost everybody knows, or almost everybody knows the basics of uh, Ace Medical at this point. But the way we teach it and the way we have people actually practice that, that's that's our main focus. That's where we think. Um, so you, you focus. Players. So you focus on a different way of of teaching things and a, a more I don't know maybe a, a funnier way or a more realistic way of. of uh, so basically a different way of teaching things to uh, the newbies. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So th something that is still in the works and not final yet, but essentially our, our goal, our hope, is that we present these types of trainings that, um, you know, like radios and ACE Medical that most people already know, but we present them like a challenge. So we give them a goal to work towards. We give them a time frame. We say, you know, you need to perform in this given time. So even if you know how to use it, you, you are still under pressure. Because you don't know if you can perform under that time. You've done it before, yes. But can you do it in five seconds, for example? That's that's our goal. That's our hope. Mm, nice. Interesting. Um, so, Dilos, um, Dilos sorry, uh, how many hours do you do per week, obviously, uh, do your guys put into training? Um, you said that the Saturday was for training. Um, how many, like, how long is it? Well, we don't have a set time for Saturday's trainings. Obviously, our BMT, which is the basic military training that recruits go through, the basic one that we talked about, uh, that has a set time frame of around two hours. Um, so that always takes around the same time. Um, but our unit trainings and the other ones are kind of, uh, it depends on what we're teaching and how well the class is taking everything in. So we've had trainings where the unit training took uh, two and a half hours, maybe. That happens rarely, extremely rarely, if, if something goes wrong. But usually it's at least an uh, hour and a half of uh, worth of training, I would say, just okay. on Saturdays. We obviously do weekdays right. as well. So. Right. Uh, Rakion, did you, did you follow one of those tra trainings? I mean, as a, as a newcomer, do, do you, have, you, have you already participated in one of those uh, trainings or did you skip that? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, so everyone that came in the unit, everyone had to do training, even though, you know, maybe sixty percent of us came from a previous unit, and we obviously all knew this stuff. Um, we did it anyways um, because I mean, I think the kind of the way we had this unit set up, is, you know, no one comes in with the entitlement that sometimes comes along when you move from one unit to the other. Everyone comes in on the same level. Everyone has to go up the chain, you know, in the same form. Um, you know, you don't just immediately get promoted to a very high rank. Um, you know, it's just, it's kind of a good way of doing it. I think it puts everyone on even ground, but, um, I went through all the trainings that everyone else did. I see. Okay. So you, you're all, all treated the same, whatever your, your role is in the community, uh, or, or your rank. That's 
pretty pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so Rakion, uh, still, uh, was staying on you for the next question. Is um, talking about the the main missions that take place on the Sunday, uh, from what I've understood. Yeah. Uh, what? Is, how do you choose the main themes? What are the different main uh, themes that you put on your missions? Do you have one in particular that you like, or do you change over time? Um, it kind of depends on what map we choose for that campaign. So we'll have a meeting, uh, you know, usually a week or two before the, the current campaign ends, and we'll talk about what the next map's going to be. Um, there's some voting and, you know, kind of a community consensus on, on what it's going to be. Um, so we'll release that map, and then I'll take that map, and I'll kind of read the story that the, the map author kind of wrote about their creation. Um, and I'll try to use something that's somewhat accurate to what the island or whatever was made for. Um, and then, you know, I take inspiration from a lot of popular games as well, because I think that there are a lot of games out there that have really good storylines, so I can borrow pieces from several different, like, major titles, and I can kind of create something unique. Um, and that's kind of what we did with our current campaign as well. Um, we just kind of borrowed some ideas and then kind of wrote our own little spin on it. Um, and so far, people have really enjoyed it. Okay, right. Um, I'm just going to um, move to a question that we had planned for um, for a bit further. But um, what, what's your so? You talked about terrains. How do you choose the terrain? Is it just a personal preference? And if it is, what's your favorite terrain? Uh, the terrain is chosen kind of in a group. Um, it's not one person's decision. Um, you know, we'll discuss it and throw ideas around, and then we'll take a look at the per, you know the perspective terrains that we're going to use, uh, make sure that none of them have any massive performance issues or giant gaps that we, you know, would cause any kind of issue that you might come across throughout the campaign. But, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of really talented developers out there who have made some really awesome maps. Um, the map that we're on right now is probably my favorite one. It's Island Panthera. Um, it's just a great map. It's huge. It has a ton to do. We can probably make 10, 15 operations on this map easily and never see some like the same thing twice that's great and what about you uh delos what's your favorite map um i would say what we use as our training map right now which is uh surprisingly not that well known is called saint george um shout out to the team behind that i think it's actually uh they might be french because i feel like the, the map itself is french um extremely well done that i, I love that map honestly and like where does it um take place i mean what region of the world does it uh you said f french would it be in france yeah. or something no i think it's more like a uh south american type of deal essentially like what tanoa is um so i would say it's like a probably a, a, f a former colony or of, of types the locations on the map are, are they all have french names um but the map itself has a south, south american right Okay, so we, we need to do a bit of digging on that map. Uh, we'll, we'll put a link. Uh, is it on, on the workshop or something? Yes. Okay, we'll, we'll probably post a link on, uh, of their work on, in the description of the podcast. Sweet. Um, Rakion, back to you again. Um, I, w I was going, before we switched to terrains, uh, going to ask about uh, the difficulty in the AI management. How do you manage difficulty in a mission? Uh, how do you manage the AI, obviously, because it's a milsim. It's milsim, so uh, you're always facing computers. 
Um, do you set the computer to super hard, uh, to super easy, depending on the mission, depending on how do you manage it? Oh, that's a tough question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so uh, my philosophy, I guess, on Zeusing is um, it's all about making sure that everyone who is playing is having fun. Um, I, this is kind of going a little on a side note, but I feel like um, when you go into some communities, you know, you get that battle between the Zeus and the players, and it kind of becomes a war of who does better. Um, in my opinion, the Zeus is there to just facilitate everyone having a good time, because that's why they we're there. So part of that is um, keeping a really close eye on everyone and uh, making sure that, um, you know, as you're watching things unfold, that the AI isn't just stomping on everyone, but at the same time, you don't want the AI to be too easy. Um, so it's kind of some tweaking. I think I've got kind of some numbers when I'm setting up the mission um, that I use in the AI settings that seem to work very well. Um, but we also take a look at the um, scenario itself. I mean, if it's nighttime, um, the AI spotting is going to be turned way down. And, and, you know, and that's for enemy AI that don't have night vision. If they have night vision, then we won't turn it down quite as far. Um, you know, but it's kind of a good balance and you kind of get to know the people that are in the unit and what they can handle. And then you adjust the AI off of that. Okay. So basically what you're saying is that it's up to Zeus to, to deal with it. Yeah, I, I would say so. I think, I think the big part of the Zeus's job is to make sure that things aren't too difficult, but you want it to be engaging enough that people are having a good time. And, you know, at the end of the mission, you don't hear people screaming at you because you just killed them the whole time. Okay, so that's going to be. Sorry, go ahead. Break you on, yeah. With uh, with that, do you do you consider um, like do you want realism or fun first, and and how do you play that one? You know, it's kind of like walking a thin line between both. Um, I do like a little bit of realism. So if it's nighttime, obviously we're going to crank your settings down. Um, because it's, you know, it, ideally it'd be harder to see. So the AI needs to be, you know, not quite as good at spotting people. Um, but I think the most important thing, it, even if you're doing a realistic unit is people need to have fun because why else are they going to come back? I mean, you know, everyone is, is here, you know, by their own decision, they're not, you know, being paid or anything to come play. So they got to have a reason to come back. And if it's not fun, then why would anyone come back, um, in the first place? You know, no one wants to join a server and spend two hours just sitting there getting killed constantly. Yeah, no, fair enough. And, oh, hell and no. uh, <laughs> Dallas, how, how are you with the realism aspect? And um, can I ask now if the question isn't down further in the, in the questions here, um, first or third person and why? Uh, okay, so, so let, me, let me answer the first part of it. Um, well, realism to me, uh, no, it does not come first, honestly. It's not the most important thing to me. It is important to me, first and foremost, comes the experience itself. You know, I want these people to have the most enjoyable experience they can. I feel like in, in most, if not all, some communities out there, not enough attention is given to the personal experience. Uh, it's all about the whole big you know, the idea around it. That doesn't mean we don't value seriousness and professionalism. Both are, you know, among our core values that we never compromise on. But we rarely let realism get in the way of the experience itself. And, you know, there are, of course, as with everything, there are limits to that. But essentially, no, the, the experience is very important to us. Um, now, with first and third person, uh, first person for our operations, because of the realism aspect of it, talking about realism and the limits. Um, however, on our other servers, for example, when we have uh, invade and annex events, when we have uh, other auto Zeus missions that we let our guys just blow off some steam, 
Uh, we turn on third person, why not? If, if you are going to, you know, make yourself look good in the arsenal, you might as well see that the entire mission. <laughs> well put. Fair point, yeah, yeah fair point. So, um, Delos, how come um, how come you guys decided to go uh, with three branches of the U.S. military uh, instead of the usual one or two? Um, yeah, obviously. So, for for those of you who don't know, um, our community has uh, three branches of the U.S. military: Army, Navy, and the Air Force. Um, now, and this goes back to the experience again that we talked about. Um, we don't want our guys to compromise. We want them to feel we don't want them to feel left out essentially we want them to feel like they belong to something and we provide any and everything they need to enjoy their time with us and that means giving them the platforms they need to have that you know to have that unique experience and over the years i realized how there are people who love the army Muslim experience but there are also those who enjoy the navy or maybe the air force and you know so i thought well why compromise why not come up with a system that combines everything people like um, and enjoy to create a product that's essentially better than the sum of its parts. And that's what we've uh, come up with here, hopefully. Sweet. Okay. Um, let's move on to mods now. Um, the, the the big topic of mods. Um, so what mods do you play? I mean, you're not go obviously going to um, give us the whole freaking list of mods that you play on, but... Um, do you have mods that really stick out uh, in your mod pack? Uh, we do. I think I think Raycon should answer this one. He's he's more involved uh, with the mission making aspect of that. Um, yeah, there's some cool stuff that I think a lot of other units aren't using. Um, we do allow our guys to use a satellite. Uh, provides live imagery, kind of similar to a Zeus view, but it's top down. You know, it's got thermals. Um, so we've actually our, uh, one of our JTACs uses that, and <clears throat> they use that for scouting. So at the beginning of an operation, um, we'll have our we'll actually do like a briefing for the operation at the beginning, and um, you can little it comes up on a screen, and as he's controlling the satellite, you can see it on a screen right in front of you, everything he's looking at. So they scout the operation before it even starts to kind of provo you know kind of fine tune their plan. Um, <clears throat> there's objectives that you have to hack. So they have to get close enough to this objective, and then they have to use like a little PDA style thing um, and um, actually hack it and recover intel, which then gets shared to their um, PDA, and then they have to share that intel with everyone around them. Um, so that's kind of some cool features that we offer. Um, we have all the normal stuff that every unit has. We use TFAR, um, but all the normal stuff like ACE, um, RHS, um, a couple different weapons, but pretty much a lot of the stuff is standard. Um, I think the satellite and the uh, um, some of the cool Zeus features we have with that automatic surrendering for HVTs, um, that stuff is is pretty awesome. We've been using that a lot. We've also been uh, testing some different uh, kinds of inclement weather in our operations, which um, during the last operation was really really cool. Okay, amazing. And uh, so Rakion, why Tfir and not Acra? Um, we have actually been testing Acker in the last uh, two weeks. The only thing, the only downside I see to Acker um, or Acre uh, so far is the multiple channels. So I really, I think a lot of people in our unit really like in TFAR how you can essentially have four radio channels. You have a long range with two and a short range with two. In Acre, um, it seems that you'll have to have a different radio for each frequency. 
Um, there's a lot of times the way our missions are set up that uh, people are pretty separated and you need long range radios. And it seems like you can only carry one long range radio. So I don't know if I just don't know everything about Acre yet. And that's kind of why we're testing it is just kind of get a good idea how it works. Um, but it seems to me that the long range issues um, are kind of a big issue. I get it. Okay. So obviously you're digging into it and you'll, you'll yeah. see by yourselves after testing it. Um, Delos, uh, how large is the that mod pack you have? Um, I mean, in gigabytes, obviously. Oh, I could not possibly tell you honestly because uh, I mean, so I, I don't know, like size-wise, how big it is. I know we have fifty-five mods. Um, now that sounds like a lot, but when you go into the mod pack and look at the mods, I think about forty of them don't even go up to like five megabytes. So we have mm -hmm. like extremely. Most of them are, you know, some scripts here and there. Some of them are compatibility mods between the other ones. So size-wise, it shouldn't be that that much. It's just 55 um, by the number, um, mm. which, and which comes with the experience. You know, if you, if you have three branches, you need a big mod pack. There's another thing is also that uh, it's, it's important to, to know and to say is, I guess, and your team is, is the same thing as, as the, the others, you don't always activate the full mod pack for one, for, for one operation. Uh, you've got like... Uh, I mean, 50 or 55 uh, mods would be the total, but you don't always go into the game with those 55 mods. Is that it? Oh, we do. <laughs> oh, you do? Every All single right. operation. And the, the thing is, we use them. We use every every single one of those 55 mods is being used every single operation and training. Right. Um, okay. So we, we do need them. Okay, right. And um, so the next question is related. Um, do you use, um, think, I'm a sink, sorry. Or do you use the workshop? What's uh, your preference? Workshop. Yeah, oh, workshop really? is my preference, yeah. Okay, right. So so you've got your server set up with uh, the latest updates uh, in, of, of the workshop, obviously, and um, and your guys just jump in with the Armor 3 launcher and, and just jump into the game. Exactly, yeah. That's cool. Uh, I'm pers My personal preference, indeed, is the Steam workshop. Nothing against the armor sync. I've learned how to use it. I know how to use it. It's just that, uh, I mean, you know, you, you, the the age of shitty internet is over, and um, I feel like people have good internet. They can download an update just before uh, running into the game. Um, yeah, that's just my personal feelings. So if you if you guys that are listening to this podcast have obviously a different uh, opinion about that and i'm sure you do um, be sure to send us some some comments uh on twitter or on uh, by mail or whatever channel you want to reach out um so the my, my next question obviously delos is why why the workshop well i mean the the one downside of it that i can think of is what you brought up as well that a mod can suddenly get an update right before an op or training um luckily that has only happened once um and for some reason the server actually let us in i'm actually surprised that th that happened but it did not bother at all even though half the clients had an updated one the server didn't um but yeah i do agree that's, that's a big issue other than that I, I can think of nothing that is wrong with it honestly it's easy you can have two methods you can give them the uh the base mod pack with the dependencies of everything else, or you can give them the, uh, I think there's like a, a template you can export from your launcher that you give people as an HTML file that they import and mm -hmm. get everything. It's one click and you have all the mods and you're good to go. While normal sync, you know, you have to set some stuff. Well, we used that before. 
I don't feel I don't feel like it's uh, user friendly, and there there's a lot of troubleshooting that goes into that. So we're trying to stay away from that as best we can. Got it. Um, Steph, why don't you go with the next question? Which would be joint ops. Do you guys have joint ops? So joint ups, uh, meaning yeah. basically um, uh, operations that you share with other units, other clans. Yeah, we haven't had one yet. Obviously, in, in the short life of two and a half months that we've had, we've had offers. I think uh, four or five, if I remember correctly. Uh, we accepted one of them um, just because um, obviously nobody knows about this just yet. So I'm not going to announce who it is, uh, but it's probably going to happen the next uh, week or two. And uh, I mean, you know, they they have an extremely tight group of uh, people that uh, we we talked about, and uh, they were extremely good people. But otherwise, I mean, it's it's kind of difficult for us um, because. Most of the units that we got an offer from are smaller than us, so we have to host it. And if we have to host it, they need to get our mod pack, and our mod pack is not that small. So that's why we're really careful with accepting offers, and we only accept ones that we feel like they are serious and they're actually going to do it. Mm -hmm. I see. Right. And how, how do you mix up with international units? I mean, uh, uh, it, it should be pretty easy for you guys because you're an international unit. Uh, you've got guys from all over the world, but uh, how do you interact with um, with other communities? I mean, for example, uh, you dealers, I think, uh, are you're, you're German, is that it? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, for example, I mean, whatever. What if um, I mean a Dutch or a French Milsim unit like gets in touch with you? How do you how do you interact with them? Do you use English? Do you do you how how does it work? Well, official language of our community is English uh, exactly because of that, because we are an international unit. We have people from all the way uh, from Asia, the Middle East, uh, Europe, uh, North America, South America. We have we have people all over. And the one thing we all have in common is language, English. Um, so any unit that does approach us, uh, that's probably our first and foremost standard that we have, um, which is the same thing with our recruits. Any new member that we get, they have to speak English and they have to understand English. Not it doesn't have to be perfect, but you need to be able to understand and speak it on a basic level. So we we love to interact with international units, provided we can understand them. That's probably our our one standard. Nice. Okay. Well, people listening, if you want to um, have a join up with uh, with um, Task Force, um, go ahead and and. Uh, and contact them, uh, contact Delos. Um, it is going to be time in this podcast for the topic of the week, which is going to be for you guys. Um, do you think uh, there will always be more infantry ops than other types like air or tank ops? Uh, and why? Um, well, I'm, I'm going to give my take, and then I think Reykjan has some input on this as well. Um... Well, I would say that's that's a fair assessment. I mean, that's how it always has been, at least so far. Um, that's one of our goals. We want to combat that. We want to, um, you know, we don't want to have our aviation be following infantry around and waiting for them to miss something so they can take part and enjoy the op. No, that's that to me is unacceptable. Our aviation has as much uh, a right to enjoy the op as infantry. That's why we try to give them their own operation. So on, you know, at any given time when infantry is doing their objectives, air is on another part of the map doing another operation for themselves. So we're trying to combat this and I hope more communities do that. And we, we would love to bring in armor at some point so we can prove 
that is doable and is possible, and people would love to see that in, in play. Um, but yeah, I mean, I hope we can contribute to that. What, so. you, what you just said is really interesting. Um, up to now, we've never interviewed a um, community that had another group inside the, the big community. I mean, inside the op, doing its own op on another side of, of the terrain. Um, I feel like this is probably one of the best answers that you can you can provide to that kind of problem is having obviously there's a lot of communities that don't put air assets in because they feel like uh, if you just bomb a place with uh, with a with a fighter um, it's just going to be too easy and so so these communities don't i mean have a tank or an air asset to to interrupt the the op uh but having an other op probably even related i don't know how you you do you guys do that but having another op on the side for those specific types of um of of assets air or tank or whatever um could be the right solution yeah, I agree. I, th I think Raycon is, is best fit to to answer the the points you just brought up because uh, he obviously uses this with uh, along with his team, obviously. It, it, but it must be very difficult for for a Zeus to uh, cover two ops at a time. Uh, Rakios, Rakion, sorry, uh, give us more intel on that. Uh, it can be challenging. So we had a conversation about, I don't know, a month ago about changing the way Zeusing was being done because we just felt like it was too generic and it was too similar to a previous unit we had been in. Um, so we kind of overhauled the whole system. Um, at the, the point it's at now, which I think is probably the, the best it's ever been um, for us, um, essentially what happens is at the beginning of an operation or at the beginning of an operation order, um, you know, so we're talking about early in the week before we even get to training, um, we post kind of the theme of the mission, what the, the specific objectives are, but we don't give them any other instruction than that. So essentially it just says like, you know, here's 10 different things you have to do this operation and here's kind of the backstory. And we keep it generally kind of open-ended. Um, so then the, the leadership um, meets and during our training on Saturday and they actually plan out the operation and we give them pretty much within whatever they're allowed to use, total operational control. They're allowed to do whatever they want, um, as long as they stay within the rules and, you know, the required equipment and stuff. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll create objectives um, for infantry. We'll create objectives for air. Um, some are both. Um, there are plenty of times where infantry has to split up and go to several different locations, and they have to do smaller groups. Um, last week, they actually did an assassination. Um, it's just different stuff that we never saw in our previous unit that we can do because, you know, the theme of our unit is the SEALs. Um, and then, you know, mixing a stealthier kind of clandestine unit like the SEALs with something loud and obnoxious like a F-18, um, we had to kind of separate it a little bit. So there's times where um, air and, and ground will do something together. There's times where they do things separately. Um, part of it is planning. Part of it comes from, you know, us and the at the higher level when we're creating the operation, but we really make sure that everyone has something to do. So you're not like a rotary pilot that just does transport the whole time because no one really enjoys doing that. You want to, I mean, everyone's there to kill somebody. So we give everyone that opportunity. 
say that to uh, to a um, to uh, a king of the hill or an invade an annex pilot, <laughs> he'll he'll be in for just transporting people. <laughs> yeah, um, you might be right. Most people nah, don't enjoy I'm just, doing I'm just, that, though. Just joking. Just joking. Um, I was. I was just going to let you finish before I was just going to uh, go back on what you said. You said uh, assassination or elimination. I don't remember what you said. Assassination, I think. Uh, what yeah. is that? Uh, they had a, an HVT that they were uh, or a high value target um, oh, okay. that had to be eliminated. So um, mm -hmm. they actually sent in a guy uh, with a sniper rifle and they got the assassinate guy without being detected and uh if you get detected it would have been very bad right okay that that must be thrilling for the guy that uh holds the sniper basically the the whole operation is on him basically if he fucks up then the whole operation will just go haywire uh yeah it was a little bit of pressure he had one shot to pull it off and uh he did it he didn't he didn't miss which i was impressed he, he did a good job i know he had practiced so um, it was good. I was impressed. That's cool. That's cool. Okay. Um, Steph, it's going to be time for the future of TFS. Let's go ahead with that. Uh, cool. Delos, um, how do you keep it fun and entertaining? Well, um, I mean, I suppose I kind of already answered this question early on with the, with the whole talk we had about the experience. And I feel like you know, Raytheon touched on this as well with an example of a rotary pilot that's sitting at base waiting for somebody to die so they can reinsert them. And obviously the insertion and the extraction once and up. Um, you know, that, that might be fun for a week or two, for a month or two. But after that, you're starting to, you know, kind of miss on all the fun. That's why we don't let that happen. We essentially make sure we have a variety of tasks. We have um, Raytheon and his team work extremely hard, um, you know, to, to come up with an operation that has a lot of uh, objectives inside it and we necessarily don't have to go through all of them so we give them 10 objectives and we say you know it's up to you if you want to take two of them take two if you want to take all 10 take all 10 so we have that you know variation in there we obviously have uh, day and night cycles that come into play with every single objective so it's kind of it, it never feels the same that's why we we peak the interest you know every single op you wait and see you know how can we do this now you might do an assassination two ops in a row but it's never going to be the same because for one of them, you might have to wait until it's night. For one of them, you know, you might actually be better off during the day. You never know. It, it all comes down to the moment, just like uh, a first-person game, like a single-player game. You have to assess the situation, you know, have a look around based on the backstory that you know and the people around you and be like, okay, what do we do now? Because we don't awesome. dictate any of that. So we let them handle that, and I think that challenge keeps people interested. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and and Raytheon, same question? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it comes into the planning of the options and just the way we're running them now. Um, I think that the biggest feedback I've gotten, because after every mission, I ask a lot of people, you know, kind of one-on-one, what did you think? Um, and for the most part, it's it's been a lot of really positive stuff the last few weeks since we've changed it. Um, throwing in the day-night cycle, so we accelerate the time. So just random number, maybe every 25 minutes, it goes from day to night. And you get that that change. Um, that's been really because then people can, you know, if they get to an objective and they're like, oh man, we can't do this with the, the day. But at night, they know that the enemy's spotting is going to be lower. Then um, then they'll wait, and it's fun to do. And, and they don't even mind doing it, um, which is really interesting because we've done things like deploying with the uh, SDVs, doing the submarines, and going like three clicks in a submarine. We thought, man, this is going to be awful, and everyone was like totally pumped the whole time. 
with what they were doing because they were doing a sub. <laughs> it was crazy. I was like, who wants that's... to go 3K in a, a sub? But they did it. Um, so that's just writing awesome. the mission itself has, I think it's just the way it's being done has really added a lot to it. Um, and then I think, you know, we also kind of tried to stay a little bit more true to the SEALs and everyone deploys off a boat. Um, we'll do some land deployments here and there, but the fact that we're deploying off the Liberty for the infantry and off of a carrier for the um, fixed wing um, primarily has been another huge change that so far has been really positive. I think they really like that aspect because it can move around and every time it's different. You never know where you're going to be. You're never going to know what's around you. Um, so it's fun. I think that that has added a lot to the unit. And then just some of the other mods that we've added recently. And um, we've even tossed around the idea of uh, hunger and thirst. So they have to manage their, um, essentially their vitals that way uh, on top of their medical vitals. So uh, it's just a lot of different things that you all throw at them at the same time. So it adds a little bit of realism. Um, but uh, so far, everyone has really enjoyed those changes. Right. Well, it does sound fun anyways. Yeah, and and well put as well. Um, I I do remember a conversation uh, with with another um, group that I was with, and they go, "Look, you can't just have a mission where you go from one side of the map to the other in a submarine, because that takes a long time and it's boring, and everyone will get bored with it." So uh, it's it's interesting to know that your community is like, "Nah, this is awesome. This is how we're going to do it," and uh, who knows. <laughs> Yeah, it surprised me. They were like, and they, I mean, they literally were in a submarine for like 25 minutes during the op, going from the deployment point to their insertion point on the side of this island. And I was like, man, they've got to be bored. And then I teleported it over and I'm listening to them and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're having a great time. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, and, and slow points in a mission on armor are, are common. So, you know, there, there's quite often... Like slow points is actually sometimes hard to make it a fast paced mission all the way through with armor. So and, and so obviously entertaining group... those slow points is really important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well that's exactly it. The the way that your group manages those slow points, the way that your group's dynamics work, um sounds awesome. <laughs> um Delos now, uh, how, so the future of TFS is also uh, getting involved into um, player versus player. Um, so that's completely new to you, is that it? Yes, uh, I had no idea that there was an actual um, league or, or tournament, if you want to call it, that, that existed between the communities. I always thought it was just, you know, in, in the form of public servers and all that, or closed groups. Um, so... I was thrilled when um, uh, Burner, shout out to him, came to me and said, you guys had a chat and, uh, you know, this is something we can do. Yeah. So we're talking about uh, Electronic Sports Masters right now. Um, so you guys are going uh, in a few days, a few weeks, I don't know, going to be involved into um, the upcoming Capture the Flag tournament. So that's completely different from what you do on the daily basis. Uh, on a on a well, on a weekly basis, basically, uh, and um, how I mean, how did you get involved with with Electronic Sportsmasters? How did you come across uh, Electronic Sportsmasters? And I mean, what um, I I guess you just said that Burner was the guy in your unit that uh, brought it up. 
uh, how did he come across it and how did he just like spontaneously just say hey let's go and fight yeah it was it was actually kind of <laughs> kind of like that if not exactly like that he essentially came to us and said hey guys you know i found this pvp tournament and um i asked him uh right you know give me a link and uh, you know who does is this and who moderates and everything and you know as soon as he brought up your name i already knew your name like from twitter and basically i think anybody who's involved in the armor community knows knows who you are and and the podcast as well so we all knew that you know if, if it was being handled by by you guys we know it was going to be something that's serious so i was like yeah we're gonna we're gonna take part why not i think the way he came upon that is just uh he was looking around for for pvp events i suppose uh, i don't know for himself or for the unit in general but he was looking for that and i think he came upon you guys on google probably okay right and like so um basically regarding uh the background of your unit uh, how do you personally? I'm. Mean, I mean, I'm not asking you to answer for for uh, Burner, obviously, because he he's probably going to bring up the team and everything. But how do you think your teams that are more axed on on um, Milsim and realism are going to appreciate that kind of uh, different stuff? I mean, it's completely different, as we said. Um, how do you think your your team is going to react? Are they going to be a bit septic or are they just going to cheer behind the team that you're going to put up and uh, and obviously support the initiative? Well, obviously we have extremely supportive people. So whatever initiatives so far we have, we have gone up for, everybody was extremely supportive. And I feel like this is, like you said, this is a completely different thing for us and the team itself included because, you know, um let, let's be honest you know we can be as tactical as we want we can be you know as serious in a military unit as we want Mil military tactics in a pvp event uh is gonna lose you the game it doesn't work it does not work some basics might work like hardcover or uh you know being aware of your surroundings but uh formations uh at times maybe even clearing buildings based on how we do it against the ai is gonna get you killed in a pvp event uh it's not the same level it's more difficult and you need different tactics you need different mindsets and I feel like, you know, if, if there's anybody that is capable of doing that, I trust my guys that they are those that, you know, that exactly those type of people that they can do that. They can take up the challenge. That was going to be my next question. So you think you've got the guys for that job and you think they, they're going to be suited for it? Absolutely. I mean, these people are, I've been telling them that the past two weeks, because um, as soon as, I mean, obviously the start of every unit is kind of rough. Uh, we were not the exception. But ever since uh, two, three weeks ago, I think they have been kind of in the in the flow and they have uh, caught on and they, they know what they're doing now and how to work together. And they are they are ruthless. They they do not mess around. When you look at them through the zoo size doing and going through an operation, uh, cooperation is, is just there and they are they just they have no mercy. <laughs> and I feel like they would be extremely well suited for a PvP event to work that's, together. That's great to know. That's great to know. I mean the the PvP scene and ex and obviously the uh the esports uh the Armor 3 esports uh community is clearly in in uh, uh is is thirsty for uh, for that kind of challenges. I mean for for newcomers to really kick uh kick the standards and really come into the game and, and we have a blast um we had the exact same situation last year on october 2018 um you guys obviously can find that video on youtube the finals of the ctf tournament and in october 2018 
tactical training team, TTT, versus the top one best team uh, in Capture the Flag. Uh, these guys have been, I mean, wrecking everyone for years uh, against so 88 uh, Spanish team. And tactical training team, which is a Milsim team, just like you, uh, I mean, uh, they're they're not too much involved in in PvP and armor, whatever. But they pretty have a basic uh, a base of, of Milsim. They uh, were they were so close to winning the the tournament, and um, it really had a huge impact on the whole community. Like um, we just like discovered that. It wasn't just because they were Milsim that they weren't up to it. They put so much strategy inside the thinking. They were they weren't just brute force because they knew they were going to lose the brute force side of things, and uh, and they brought some strategies. I mean, they just took a grenade launchers, a grenade launcher, not to knock out uh, knock out players, but not to knock out uh, walls, basically. Uh, creating gaps into the map and uh, to be able to see at certain angles and they almost won. That was just completely amazing and we're always, uh, us as a community, um, waiting for that kind of thing because it's so entertaining. So I can't wait to see your guys perform in the tournament. Um, back to your unit and to the future of the unit. Um, are you guys keeping the expansion? Are, are you keeping um, recruit, recruiting people? And, um, and do you want to keep uh, expanding? Absolutely. I mean, no question about that. I feel like, you know, what we have here, um, you know, we don't want to expand just because we want to brag about our numbers. I could not care less about the numbers. But what I do care about is is making sure as many people as possible get this experience. I feel like, you know, uh, my guys could, could attest to this um this is something that i want to show people this is something you know we've the entire community has built something wonderful in my opinion that i want other people to see and be able to experience and i feel like the only way i can do that is get our name out there and you know be open to the community so we basically want to set a, a level of uh you know standards to show people this is another way to do it and hopefully this is you know a better way to do it maybe you guys enjoy this most and I would love to show this to as many people as I possibly can. Great. Amazing. The next question is going to be uh, a question for both of you. Um, so that's a pretty tricky question, obviously. So, but it's, uh, it's uh, a question that every single person in, uh, in the armor community is kind of asking himself at one point is what do you want to see coming in armor 3 or in armor 4 in a, in a, in a future um, regarding mods regarding dev features um, and game features the, the the engine all sorts of things what do you guys see coming uh, would like to see coming uh, Rakion first well for armor 3 um you know, I there's not a lot I'd like to change about the actual gameplay mechanics. Uh, I think it's pretty good, in my opinion. Uh, the thing that I wish was that Zeus was a little bit more similar to the editor. Um, you know, it's obviously they spent a lot of time on the editor. Zeus, they just kind of added to make the, you know, um, 
dynamicness to operations, but I really like um, the way the editor handles like unit heights. It's really hard in Zeus to put units inside buildings. Um, you know, if you use a carrier like the Nimitz, putting stuff on the carrier during an operation is very difficult. Um, so it'd be nice to see some compatibility there, I guess, or just a change to that system. So that just, you know, easier, uh, ease of life for a Zeus. Um, so it was a little similar to the editor. I know when you're like searching for stuff, um, in the editor or in Zeus, it takes a while to load. That's a little annoying. Um, and the AI, I think uh, the AI is not bad. Um, you know, during an operation, we may have their stats down to like 10%, and that's like pretty easy to fight against. Not easy to fight against, but it's a good level. Um, and I feel like they maybe, I don't know, there's some issues there where they'll just shoot through smoke, shoot through walls, stuff like that. They can get a little frustrating. Um, I would love to see them spend some time working on that and just perfecting it um for arma 4 my biggest i'm i'm a big like I, my background is is air um i flew fixed wing in my last unit i was the co of air there for a while um and i'm a huge gcs fan so if they took like arma but added like the vr compatibility and the the fidelity of dcs and then used like maps the size of a dcs map so instead of having a 20 kilometer by 20 kilometer map maybe it's like 180 kilometers by 180 and it runs well that would be awesome i mean vr compatibility and armor would be crazy it'd be really cool and that's kind of where i feel like a lot of gaming is going anyways so uh, that'd be the biggest thing i'd look for and then a better zeus module you know just more refined right vr compatibility i'm looking forward to that as well what about you dilos uh, I mean, I suppose uh, VR would be my top choice as well. I feel like this game could actually use uh, extremely use it extremely well. I mean, it's, it's one of the things that I would love to see. Um, I mean, there's not really much I can ask for at this point, obviously, because um, I feel like you know this you know this game was not meant to be perfect from day one. Obviously, it's a, it's an open-ended game meant for modders to bring their own taste into it. So. In terms of the original product coming out for Armor 4, I would just say um, I, I would be happy with VR only. Everything else can just be a fine-tuned version of what they have now. Great. Okay. Have you guys um, been looking into DayZ or not? I have not, no. I'm, I, I honestly would love to, but, you know, who has the time? Great. Well, that's basically... I'm just saying that because uh, the new engine that um, uh, Bohemia is working on is used by Daisy and yeah. it, it, it's you know um, Daisy is what it is it's a completely different game but it's very interesting to see what the engine is like uh, as of right now and the evolution obviously uh, compared to the actual engine from Alma 3 um and yeah i'm i'm i have the game i don't play the game but you know once in a while i just connect and see what are the improvements and uh how the game works how the engine uh works as well how are the mechanics that kind of thing so basically we're closing in on um on on the on this uh podcast but we've got just a few questions before we uh do the outro uh, do you guys stream or do you have streamers? Uh, yes, we do. So we we test run we test run our first stream last week, uh, which I have live on our YouTube channel. I think we can link that somewhere afterwards. Um, you can look it up under Task for Spectre. 
Um, it's also linked on our website. I think that's the easiest way to find it. Um, we also have, I think, three to four of our guys Twitch on stream. Um, I'm kind of working on a system to bring it all together so you can have a stream on our YouTube channel that you can switch to. So, for example, you have my view of the operation you can watch. You have the Zeus view of the operation you can watch. And you also have two or three people on the ground you can choose to watch. Um, so it's kind of going to be, we're, we're working with an application right now if it comes to fruition. Um, you're going to have these multiple perspectives you can pick from and then you watch whatever you would like to watch. That would be great, yeah. Um, I know it's a possibility, it works, and it's pretty cool to to have uh, having multiple, you know, like multi-cam. That would be great. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rakion, have you, have you tested Globe Mode? Uh, the new I DLC. I haven't bought it yet. Um, sometimes the DLC makes me a little like it's mostly when I buy that stuff, it's for single player because you know on these community servers that we do, we don't usually use a lot of that stuff because not everyone has the DLC. Um, personally, I am not a huge Cold War era fan. Um, you know, I know the history, but uh, in terms of playing an armor, I personally I prefer to stick with the modern stuff a little bit more. Um, but looking at the screenshots and some of my friends have it, they act, they really enjoy it. They found a unit that was using it already and um, they said it was pretty awesome. Right. Yeah. Well, we did. A, so that's for you and for the listeners, obviously, we did a few episodes with Radio Arma about the uh, about Mobe. We talked about it. We uh, undercovered uh, the the bright side and also the bugs so go and listen to it it'll be a few episodes up uh and uh enjoy uh, a good talk about that particular dlc delos have you bought it i have not no uh it's, i mean I, i'd love it's to your german history man i know <laughs> that's, that's what everybody keeps telling me i'd love to get it um yeah i mean I, i've been extremely busy with some of the stuff for the community lately and you know as soon as i get some some free time I, there's a couple of things on my list that's one of them all right well i hope you'll enjoy it anyways um i've bought it and i enjoy it um don't get much time to play it but uh, it's enjoyable uh steph why don't we go into the closing so the one famous uh question about the armageddon for sure um so let's let's go uh delos again real quick what's your uh your armagasm moment uh <laughs> well i mean to me uh basically it's i i come from an infantry background myself from day one in the milsim community and you know up until today so to me it's seeing an entire squad of infantry working together to clear a dense urban area a compound you know an apartment block a hotel there's just a level of cooperation and seriousness that you never see anywhere else really you know it's uh you know in in arma and irl and urban environment is the most dangerous environment you can be in during a military operation and i'm extremely glad that our guys are so well trained and honestly you know in control that they just you know they flip a switch and they turn into something else under that pressure so that's probably my favorite thing to watch uh that's yeah that's beautifully put and something that i love seeing about the armor community as well because it doesn't happen all the time there's exactly. not every single yeah every single time it's not a flawless you know swat team moving in through the building yep. uh sometimes it's people playing a game so <laughs> yeah no no no. that's, that's really well put thanks dude um and and rakion 
Oh, gosh. This was the hardest question for me to think about um, because I've played this game long enough where I have, I don't know, a thousand screenshots and about a thousand or more good memories of Arma um, just across the, the years. Uh, probably one of the more memorable moments for me was an operation um, where everything kind of went to, uh, well, it was just a giant disaster. Um, the mods kind of broke. The server had problems, but we were still playing. We still completed the operation. And uh, there was a point where none of the scripts would work at all, so you couldn't, like, use the arsenal or anything. But uh, we had some guys who wanted to really get back in the fight, so we loaded up into a, a C-17, and I flew them, and we couldn't, like, we couldn't um, do, like, a halo drop or anything because the scripts weren't working. So I flew the C-17 low enough to the ground, um, and I flew them over a river. Now, the tail of the C-17 was essentially skimming the water, and they were able to jump out of the C-17 into the water and not kill themselves and get reinserted. And uh, it was funny just to listen on the radio as people were witnessing it. They had no idea what was going on. And um, they just saw a C-17 fly like right across the water and people jumping out the back in the water, like what in the world? And for me, it was a pretty cool moment because uh, I, it kind of made me a hero that operation. I felt really good about myself, but no one had ever seen someone do that in Arma. So it was just like, that was really cool. And for me, it was just awesome to uh, hear them come on the radio and say, we survived. That was awesome. Thanks. And then they got in there and completed the operation. And then we could finally reset the server and fix everything. That's completely my best part. I mean, my favorite part of the of the podcast. It really, listening to people enjoy uh, the simple fact that uh, they're they're um, talking about something that really thrilled them in in uh, in uh, in Arma Three, and you can always feel the passion and and the remote uh, good feelings that those memories just brought in bring in. Sorry, uh, and I love that that one. I mean, just jumping through off a helicopter inside the water. I've never myself never done it uh, in Arma. I mean. Uh, and I would love to see that and and experience that. That's amazing. It was, it was actually a C-17, so it was a giant cargo plane, huge. Mm -hmm. um, and I was flying it about a meter, not even a meter off the ground. And I mean, I was like stalling the entire time. It was it was crazy. Amazing. Yeah, oh. I think I've tried that before. It didn't work. So yeah, you know, you made miracles <laughs> happen that day, dude. Did you did you yeah. just smash on the water or something? No, no, I, I didn't die. Oh, no, I mean, have. I was, I was talking to Steph. Did, did, oh. didn't it work? Why, why didn't it work? I, we might have been going too fast, or, or something oh, like right. that, or too high as well, because there, there is, there is a fall into the water that kills yeah. you, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. height limit. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, we're like, oh, cool. We just jump into the water. Uh, maybe, maybe we're getting shot down on cough or something like that. But you know, it's too high or too fast or. So um yeah well well done <laughs> well done dude that's um yeah and and you probably did that long before I even thought of it so yeah first one to uh, <laughs> successfully river drop people <laughs> yeah, it was awesome that's cool and I suppose like all good moments there's no video footage uh, I don't know if it exists I I don't know I mean here's the shout out right. <laughs> Yeah, if anyone back from uh, our, our previous unit uh, has that footage, maybe Fox has it or someone, if he listens, uh, I would love to have it because that was epic. Yep. Oh, us too. I I'd love to see that. <laughs> cool. Oh, look, thank you guys so much for coming on. Um, 
let's get into how people can reach out to you. Yes, uh, I mean, I suppose we should put the link somewhere because uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read out the link, but obviously yeah, you can yeah, find yeah. all of our details on our website, which is gonna be uh, taskforcespector.com. Um, and uh, yeah, Teamspeak address is the same. Um, if you have any questions, if you want to hear anything, you can find me on our Discord or uh, just hop on our Teamspeak and uh, you know we'll chat. We also have uh, Twitter under the handle uh, TF Spectre. Um, you can find us on there as well. So awesome. No, that's cool. And um, yeah, discord.gg forward dash little tbe capital M R five just for shits and giggles. He's gonna do it. Hey, yeah. Uh... <laughs> he did it. He did it. He did it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Is that a full term link? Is it like a, a... yes? It's a permanent link. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so he's going to last, don't worry. Yes, so he doesn't just die out. Yeah. And the guys that listen to the podcast in one week will just be fucked, no, you know? No, it's a permanent, permanent one. Or... Okay, I, I, great. I'd, I'd love for someone to join it being like, no, no, I heard the link. <laughs> I, I, typed, I typed the link based on what Steph said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's awesome. Hey, look, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, appreciate you coming on, uh, Flash. Yep, um, it's been a blast. I mean, your your team has a lot of pos- uh, positivity, and uh, and it really is something I really like with uh, with uh, having podcast with uh, Milsim groups. Uh, is that uh, that that all that you know positivity and, and uh, enjoyability in the game that doesn't i don't know if that's english but whatever uh thanks to you both for coming um we had a blast with with steph and we will um so see all of you listeners next week for the next podcast remember that there's the fight news on friday and we will see uh say well goodbye for now Perfect. Right, thank you for See having you guys. us. Have a good yeah, one. thank you.